This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Education Matters. I'm Katie Olmsted, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association, wishing you a happy new year on behalf of the 120,000 K-12 educators, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members OEA represents. Some of those members, at least, have found themselves starting this new year back in a remote learning situation. As the Omicron variant drives a huge spike in COVID-19 cases across Ohio, some schools have closed for in-person learning, either as a safety precaution or as a reflection of the challenges posed by a large number of staff illnesses. Either way, a lot of educators don't love remote learning. Let's face it, it can be a huge struggle. It's tough to get full buy-in from the kids, and sometimes it feels like you are teaching a brick wall. So how do you improve student engagement in a virtual setting? To find out, we sat down with Jennifer Harvey. She's the middle school math teacher in Columbus's new Blend Ed Pre-K through 8 program, which is completely virtual this year. Jennifer Harvey, thank you so much for joining us. What has your experience with BlendEd been like so far? Well, being that it's the first year of our BlendEd program, it's been um, a interesting challenge um, to try to figure out how to teach kids virtually effectively, even though we had some pandemic teaching and, and that over the last two years, when we're looking at a full program and especially with the math that I teach, you know, how can I do that and get the kids involved? So it's, it's been a journey. It's been an interesting journey <laughs> and it continues. How did blend ed come to be? I, you know, we're almost two years into the pandemic now and just about everybody did some level of virtual instruction for a time. How did we get to this point? Right. So uh, what was interesting last year, Columbus City Schools started Digital Academy, which was um, students self-directed it. They used the Apex learning platform and uh, they just did their work on their own at their own pace. And then after school hours, different teachers had supplemental contracts where they could then provide some office hours for the kids to help them wherever they were struggling. So BlendEd was born out of that pandemic teaching platform. But the intent was that they were going to have um, a full uh, staff of teachers on hand for students. And so now um, we actually teach via Zoom um, and, uh, you know, most of the work is done face to face in Zoom as opposed to them independently doing their work. So it was born out of pandemic teaching, but it was then looked at as this is probably the way that the, the world is going to go to teaching, that they were going to have some level of virtual experience, um, but then they also wanted to couple it with some in-person teaching as well. What are some of the lessons learned from the pandemic teaching that brought us into a more successful online program? Um, that we, I think we kind of lost sight with, uh, of relationships. Um, of course, when we first went off into pandemic teaching, we left towards like in March. So we had already established some relationships with the kids. It was a little easier last year, a little more difficult. So we had to kind of revisit what does, how do you develop a relationship with students? Um, when you, the first time you're meeting them is virtually, 
Um, you don't have any face-to-face uh, -face time. And we know and as educators, it's, that's you know a big part of what we do. We have to have a relationship with the child. We have to get to know them. And it's a lot more difficult. Um, so we try to front load a lot of things with the kids so that we can get to know them. They can get to know us. And then if that didn't work with some of the kids, we are constantly looking at new ways of, you know, how to um, get to know them so that we can effectively do what we do virtually, which, you know, it's just a lot easier to do those things face to face. Certainly easier. And, you know, we heard we have been hearing from so many educators since the pandemic started the frustrations when it comes to keeping students involved. You know, you hear the stories of the kids will sign on in bed, turn off their cameras and just sit there. You don't even know if they're still in front of their computer for that entire lesson. How do so, you combat that? We, <laughs> well, it's an ongoing battle and some days are better than others, just like in regular classroom. You know, you have those kids that come in and put their heads down and go to sleep and you can go, you know, by tap them on the shoulder, try to wake them up, ask their friends, try to get them up and they just go right back to sleep. So it's kind of the same thing. And we know at the end of the lesson when it's time for everybody to go and they're still lingering there and, and you're like, Katie, Katie, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, we've tried to devise, um, we approach it with a lot of humor, especially in the middle school. Um, and I, we, and it's really in the middle school that I think that we're having, um, you know, a little more of the struggle with kids engaging. Um, our pre-K five staff seems to be having um, a pretty, uh, e not easy, but it's a lot, um, it's easier for them to get the younger kids engaged because they're still so, they're not jaded like our middle schoolers they're are. They're eager. And that's a nice way to put it. They are eager. Um, and then we have some eager middle schoolers. And uh, I think that our middle school staff, we are, um, for lack of a better word, we're a bunch of clowns. So, you know, <laughs> always curious to find out what we're going to do next. And my kids, I, I didn't teach all last week because I am a testing coordinator and we have to have to bring the kids in. And I met with them today. I've met with sixth and seventh grade so far. And um they're also clowns because they are, when I, they see me, they're like, oh, she lives, you know? <laughs> so um, I think humor is one of the best ways to get them to engage. Cause we've had even kids who have not said a word all of a sudden, if I say something, you know, kind of off the cuff, they're like, they come on, they're like, wait, what, what did you just say? <laughs> so yet you have to kind of keep them on their toes. It might not always be content related. But, um, you know, you kind of have to, you have to be a middle schooler at heart. And I always say that I'm a 12-year-old boy at heart. So I fit in really well. So fart jokes and stinky armpits? Oh, I might not say the fart jokes, but I will <laughs> laugh at fart jokes all day long. And, you know, any other of those little words that may come up, <laughs> I sometimes have to turn my video off because I will absolutely lose it. And the kids know I'm probably the biggest kid in the room. So um, it, it does help. Uh, it's not, there's no, you know, one size fit all, of course, just like in any classroom, whether it's virtual or in a regular classroom, brick and mortar. It just, you know, you have to kind of plug away and try to figure out how to engage the kids. And it never hurts to um, send a note home saying your kid's failing. They're not, they're, 
<laughs> they're not coming to they're not coming to class. They're not engaging. So, um, and then the next thing you know, there they are. So, do you uh, make participation a, a part of the grade then? Um, yes, I do, and I think most of my colleagues do as well. Um, and then we try, we've been in conversations about now, how do we build upon that? We've gotten to, you know, we've seen some incremental growth on participation, yet it's not where we want it. And we know we're not probably ever going to get 100% because what teacher ever necessarily has 100% participation on a daily basis. Right. That's, but how, that's not a virtual issue. That's an all education issue. Right. And, you know, and then when you're looking at the, the middle adolescent ages, <laughs> It's like, you know, you're beating your head up against the wall sometime trying to get them to participate. So we're always looking for ways. Um, I just, I um, had breakout rooms and the I kept going into the rooms. No one's talking. They're like, oh, we're just doing our work. Yeah, but you're supposed to be doing it together and talking. And I went into one room and they were actually talking the math. They, no one had their cameras on, which... Um, you know, I would love that for them to have their cameras on, but I don't fight that battle if they're participating. And they were actually talking and they were talking the math. So I mailed out, I found the little Incredibles figurines and I sent them a little note telling they were incredible by engaging. And I really appreciate how much they were doing, you know, put that in the mail to them. And then, you know, they're all smiles went after they get it and they let kids know. And then they want to know, well, when am I going to get something mailed to you? And I'm like, when you do something incredible, like actually speak. <laughs> send you something. <laughs> so I, I have to say, I am, I understand where the students who don't turn their cameras on are coming from. We're working from home. Most of my life is done via zoom. And as I talk to you here on December 14th, I am in my sweatpants that I've been wearing uh, some variety of for the last, you know, almost two years. I, I appreciate what virtual meetings do for my life in terms of not having to brush my hair. And I, I bet students feel that way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they want to be comfortable and they feel that they have control over that. And so I is where I would love for them to have their cameras on. That is not, and I will tease them, try to get, you know, get their cameras on. So at least I can see their faces for a minute. Um, and I let them know it's hard for me to do what I do if I don't know that there's someone there, but ultimately I just, we move on as long as they're participating, you know, they might unmute themselves and talk. They, and a lot of times they'll put stuff, things in the chat, which tends to drag things out a little bit longer, but <laughs> they, they are participating. So, um, you know, it's, you have to pick and choose your battles. Um, what is my, my goal is not to have them all on camera. My goal is to engage them in mathematics and have them grow. And, and then, you know, in turn, I'm growing too, um, because this is definitely um, an interesting way to teach. <laughs> um, I really appreciate some of the relationships that I have now been able to form with some of the kids. Um, I wish it was more, but once again, cameras, some of the kids I have really good relationships with, I've never seen their faces except for their pictures on our student information system. And those pictures are like two and three years old. So they're like, you know, third, fourth, and fifth graders when I'm <laughs> looking at them. So um, it, it, once again, it's all about what's more important. Is it more important for me to see their face or for them to engage some kind of way? Um, you know, I just, you have to make that decision. How do you measure how successful that engagement is? It can't be like 
characters they've typed as a, as a quantifiable thing, or they've said this many words to me today. Right. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So, you know, with two, um, I do use things like Flipgrid and, um, you know, Flipgrid is a wonderful way. A lot of times they don't want to even, are you familiar with Flipgrid? I guess I'm not. No. So uh, Flipgrid is one of those uh, sites that you can go to and kids can leave video recordings of of whatever. So whatever the assignment is. So a lot of times I, I will use as an oral defense They've been working on certain mathematics, like uh, if we were working on percentages, I will give them a problem, they have to figure it out, then they have to go to Flipgrid, and then they have to explain how they came up with their answers. And a lot of them won't even do, like you can put stickers over your face, you can put other things up on um, on the Flipgrid, but at least I get to hear their voices and I get to hear them reasoning out you know, the mathematics that they're doing. So it's a wonderful way, um, you know, there's this whole push in education that they say, just push record, um, much like what we're doing right now. Um, so whatever they, uh, that's the, the engagement, I guess, is how I understand their engagement is because if they weren't engaged before, they're not going to understand how to explain what they're doing. So, um I know that they were listening, even if they weren't on camera, even if they didn't say a word in, in during class, if they can go to Flipgrid and then I can hear in their own words how to solve this problem that we've been working on, you know, these strategies for the last couple of days, the engagement clearly was there. Or they're just a brilliant child and just can pick anything up. But congratulations. Um, Either way, it's going well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, right. So there's just different ways. And, you know, probably on a daily basis, I want to hit my, you know, hit my head up against the wall. Well, because I, you know, because I just feel like I'm not doing the best I can do, but I have to remind myself that I am not in control of everything, you know, especially in, even in a regular brick and mortar classroom, I'm not in charge, you know, I can't, I can ask them to do things but it's up to them to do them. So even if I can't see them doing things because their camera's not on, if I'm not hearing them because they're not unmuting or they're not putting anything in the chat, if they're successful in the assignments that I've given them, especially the ones like on Flipgrid where I can, they can act, I can hear their voice. I can, um, although some of them have mastered even um, using the mechanical voices um, <laughs> or just typing in all their answers, which is, and I find that, actually brings a smile to my face. I'm really good with all the ways that they find to not speak. (laughs) They're still, they are speaking though. They're telling me what they know, whether it's verbally or with somebody else's automated voice because they type things in. So um, that's, it's kind of exciting to me to find ways that kids are finding ways to engage that I would never have considered engagement before. And you have to, you know, take into account that every child is different when they're not engaged. Sometimes it's because they're being willfully defiant when they're not engaged. Sometimes it's because it's hard to have sustained focus on a virtual platform. Adults have this problem. Kids have this problem. It's, it's just, it's a difficult thing to overcome. Do you have tips for kids to help them stay present in these lessons? Well, it's funny because I was just talking to one of the young ladies. She's extremely bright, but she has not been um, very productive this year. And we're just talking to her. And I told her, I use the the 
the 25 method where I 20 minutes, I'm 100% totally focused on whatever it is I'm doing. And then I take a five minute break. And I told her, I said, well, how am I going to know you're taking a five minute break? I mean, you can still be listening to what I'm saying, but get up, move, go run around your house, do whatever you need to do, and then come back and sit down. Um, because focus was her issue. And so um, she's going to try that to see how it is. And I have told the ki- other kids to do that as well. You know, if you need to take a break, you just take a break, stretch, go outside, feel the sun on your face. You know, it is hard. I told him it's hard for me because when I'm normally teaching, I don't sit. But right now in the capacity that I'm in, I have been sitting a lot. So a lot of times I tell them I'm getting up. I need to move because I don't even know what words need to come out of my mouth because I'm so unfocused. I need to move. So moving is definitely, they can't just sit there. They can't just lay there. They need to be actively engaged because we know in a classroom, we would have them moving around doing all sorts of different things, meeting in different groups, reading with this person, that person, doing lab activities, whatever they're doing. Do you think the learning environment is also important? Is there a difference between your ability to focus when you're laying in bed versus if you're sitting at like a, a regimented desk with your tools all around you? Absolutely. And that, uh, thank you for bringing that up. One of the things that we have told parents on numerous occasions is they need a dedicated space. Even if it's under the stairs, get them a desk so that they can put their things there so that they're sitting and they're a little bit more focused. And we've had a couple kids say, no, I just got a new desk or we're going shopping for my desk. So, um, you know, the message is being received and the kids do like it because then they can decorate their desk and they'll show us, you know, the different things that they've added to their desk, their pens or whatever they they've got. And, and it's just, you know, sense of ownership for the learning space provides a little bit more focus for them. And how important is the, the partnership with the parents? I mean, I assume a lot of these parents are working. They're not there to directly supervise a lot of the time. How do you engage the families as a whole to ensure that the students are set up for success? Right. Well, so we have 150 middle schoolers um, between four teachers. Um, So we we have multiple means of ways for the parents to communicate with us. And um, there are quite a few of the kids that are there by themselves. And some of them are even supervising younger kids who are in our uh, our little grades. Um, oh, that has to be hard. Right. So a lot of times they're not engaging with us. And of course we get the attitude. I'm like, yeah, you need to be in your, <laughs> you need to be learning as well, but you know, that their responsibility is to their, their siblings. And so we had to let go of that. Um, you know, and parents there, they have to be learning coaches, you know, um, I always uh, laugh because some of our um, kids who have 504s or IEPs, one of the thing is preferential treat uh, seating, preferential seating and parents will say, well, you're not giving my kids their um, accommodations like the preferential seating. I'm like, okay, that would be your responsibility because I'm not in your home. Um, so, <laughs> What does, what does preferential seating look like in a house? I know, right? Well, to me, and what we say is it's got to be somewhere quiet because what we're combating is a lot of times the kids won't turn their cameras on or won't unmute because or they will, and someone's vacuuming in the background, or they're having an argument, and there's like very saucy words being oh, thrown no. back and forth. So it's been um, 
entertaining. <laughs> um, so we just, we, we let the parents know what we feel is the best environment for the, the child to be with, be in, and how can you accommodate, you know, your, your student in your home with, with our expectations and what are we asking too much of, you know, and then two, um, a lot of kids, since it is digital, a lot of kids like to submit blank work and the parents will see, well, it says turned in. Yes. But we need you to be that, that learning coach. And we need you to tell them to click on that turn in and pull it up and see what's on it. <laughs> so one of my takeaways from my conversation with you is that, uh, middle schoolers are, are, are evil geniuses that they are finding every way in the book not to do exactly the assignment. Right. And that's why I love them because I learn new tips and tricks to get over <laughs> on my principal every day. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, they're, you know, they want their people to love them and they don't want to do a lot of stuff. So, <laughs> oh my so God, they, I'm a middle schooler. Oh yeah. They're love. I love them. I mean, you, you just have to love them. You also have to know, did the two-year-old or the 12-year-old, the three or the 13 or the four or the 14-year-old show up so that you can deal with them accordingly? So, um, but it's a wonderful group to work with. And um, we think by the end of the year, <laughs> we'll have the kids whipped into shape, you know. And then just they'll be coming back for next year for the blended. This is an ongoing program for them. Yes. Correct. Right. This is not. Um, so the state of Ohio uh, requires that programs like this are not pandemic related. So this is one that is supposed to be uh, maintained. The, our superintendent has a three-year plan, which this be in our inaugural year next year, we will start, like I said, so the blended program is supposed to be virtual and and in person, um, we do have um, partnerships with the Columbus Zoo, Otterbein University's The Point, which has an amazing facility with a maker space and all sorts of different things to do with the kids. And then we're supposed to be free to move out and about the community to support the standards that we need to teach for our students. So that's what they have to look forward to next year. Our, hopefully we'll, we, we will continue with our sixth and seventh graders as seventh and eighth graders next year and bring in a new, this new sixth graders up from the fifth grade. And um, hope, we're hoping that um, we're not really sure just yet if whether or not they're going to um, open up enrollment. So, yeah, so it's supposed to be, we know that at least it's a three-year commitment, this being the first year. Well, it sounds fun. And I feel like your students are very lucky to have you as their teacher because you seem to be having fun with it. Well, I feel very fortunate to have them as my students because, you know, they just keep me young and keep, keep me guessing. <laughs> Jennifer Harvey, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Do you have some remote learning tips you'd like to share with your fellow educators? Join the conversation on our social media pages. We're at OhioEA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also reach me by email at educationmatters at ohea.org. New episodes drop every Thursday morning, so make sure you subscribe to Education Matters wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, stay well. Stay well.